pop quiz time. Question, what's a word that starts with the letter B and it's something that actually most people hate doing, yet it's so darn important in your personal finance journey? Ding, 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 ding. Yes, you guessed it. Budgeting. I know, I know, you dread it. You dread it because it's not only hard to do, but most importantly, it's hard to stick to it. It's hard to implement. Why should you even do it? You're asking yourself all these questions. I know, I was exactly where you are and thought exactly the same thing until I found really easy ways and things to do to make sure that I not just budget, but that I actually stick to the budget and most importantly, started seeing a huge difference in our personal finance by doing that. So when you budget, you actually literally tell your money what to do, how to start behaving, really how to stop misbehaving most importantly, because money has a way of creeping out of your wallet, bank account, finding little legs, running wild while leaving you broke. No more of that. So budget and let's talk about it. Let's talk about easy ways for you to do it so that you can actually start seeing the fruits of successfully budgeting. So let's dive into this episode. Hello, financially savvy people. Welcome, welcome to episode three of the Financially Savvy Girl podcast, where you learn, grow, and improve your personal finance. I'm so excited about today's episode because I get to talk about a topic that many people just don't like doing, budgeting. And why am I so excited? Because my advocacy skills just it's just absolutely dying to dive into an argument as to why it's so important for you to budget. So what I'm saying is once I finish, I think I'm going to make a case as to why this is so important. So why don't we just start there? Why do I think budgeting is so important in your personal finance? First of all, would you build a house without a floor plan? Or would you even buy a house? So let's say you're shopping for a home and it's a newly built home. Would you just go ahead, go to the sales center and buy it without even looking at the floor plan? No, you would not. Obviously, you wouldn't do that because the floor plan gives you dimension, an idea Uh, the framework of what the house will look like. It kind of gives you a visual roadmap of what you can anticipate for this home that you're building, right? So you want to have that. You want to have precision and the floor plan gives you that. And your budget is exactly that. The plan for your financial success. 
the plan for your income for the year, the plan for your income, for your wealth for the month, for your wealth, for your income, for your money, for the day. So your budget helps you assign a task to your daily activities with money. And that is so important. So you have, there's so much that you have to do with your money. And if you don't keep track of what you're doing and what you should be doing, what you should be prioritizing, then you are essentially just letting your money run absolutely wild. When you take the time to budget, you are reclaiming control over your finance, over your money. And instead of your money telling you what it did, you essentially become proactive and tell your money what to do. And it's so important to do that, right? And by doing that, you are ever heard of the saying, if you do not plan for success, you're actually planning to fail. Well, that also applies to your financial journey. So the first thing that I want you to do, I want you to take a sheet of paper or your phone, whatever it is. I want you to list all of your sources of income. So if you're gainfully employed, list what's your net income per paycheck. So if you're getting paid bi-weekly, list what it is per paycheck, add it up to what you're making for the month. So add it up. If in addition to that, you have a second source of income, whether it's a side hustle or whatever it may be, list that as well. Make sure that whatever you're listing, it's actually your net income. So your net income is what you actually bring home, not your gross income, what you're actually making on paper. Um, but after fees and taxes and whatnot, uh, that's not what you bring home. So the net is actually what is reflected on the paycheck that is provided to you. So what you bring home. Once you've list all your sources of, of income, I want you to add it up. Add up what's the total income that you make per month. After that, I want you to start a new list. That list, I want you to list all of your expenses. And by expenses, I literally mean all of it. Whether it is your mortgage, if you own a home, your rent, if you are renting a home, I want you to list in there how much you pay for your utility per month. I want you to list how much you're paying for transportation, uh, gas if you have a car, uh, if you take the bus, whatever is the your bus pass, the cost of that. I want you to list, you know, how much you are paying for your phone bill, for your internet. List each and every one of your While you're doing that, I can tell you for sure for me what I do when I list the expenses, I also list my tide in there, uh, my offering. I also list 
Um, you know, I have a long commute for work, so gas is definitely a big part of the budget. So I list that and you need to really be as detailed as possible. So you know your spending habits, whatever it is that you spend money on, put it on that expenses list. Make sure that you provide everything. Once you're done listing your expenses, add up the amount for all of the expenses, the total. And this is your expense for the month, right? So you've added up the total of all your expenses for the month. Once you're done doing that, I want you to go back to your list of sources of income. The amount that you listed as your total amount for income, I want you to take that and subtract the total amount of expenses. That gives you your cash flow. Now your cash flow can be positive or it can be negative. If the amount of income minus expense, the total that you've received, if it's a positive amount, uh, not in the minus, then you have a positive cash flow. That's a good thing if you have a positive cash flow. If for some reason you have a negative cash flow, so essentially your expenses are greater than your income, that's considered a negative cash flow. That really just means that you are living beyond your means. Don't worry, don't panic. It happens to a lot of people. So now it's just a matter of you going back in your expenses and finding ways to cut down on some of the expenses. This is a good exercise because it shows you where are you putting your money currently, right? And it also gives you an idea why you feel like you've been living paycheck to paycheck because essentially your expenses are greater than the money that you actually bring in. And the goal is for you to not just bring in money, but to keep the money that you're bringing in. And for you to do that, your expenses needs to be lower than the money that you're bringing in. It's important for you in your personal finance journey to be able to answer certain questions, even just for yourself. You know, I should be able to ask you, what's your cash flow? And you should be able to answer that question without much hesitation. You need to know what your cash flow is. You need to know what your total expenses are uh, per month. You need to know what your total income is. So these are answers that you should be able to provide easily. And the only way that you get familiar in knowing how to provide these answers easily is by you budgeting and you knowing these numbers. Your cash flow number helps you really know what room do you have left with your money to pay extra into debt, to uh, invest more than what you had budgeted for to put into a special project that you have. So that cash flow number is really important for you. Now, another question that I get a lot is whether you should be budgeting digitally or on paper. And to be perfectly honest with you, the choice is completely yours. It's by preference what you rather do. I do a mixture of both. Digitally, I budget with an app called Every Dollar. 
It's an app created by Dave Ramsey. It's, you know, just go and Google it uh, every dollar and you can just download it on your phone. It's really easy to budget with every dollar and I love it. But at the same time as well, I'm more of a tangible person. I need to see something on paper. So I've also created spreadsheet, budgeting spreadsheet that I do use that helps to keep me on track. So in the beginning of the month, I start with the digital budgeting and I make sure I put it all in my every dollar, the income, the expenses, and that creates my budget for the month. But to track my budget and to keep myself on track, mid-month, I'm always checking my budget. Okay, how am I doing in terms of sticking to the budget? And I do that on my spreadsheet. So I use my spreadsheet to keep myself accountable on the budget that I set. So the digital budget, I use it to set the budget. And my spreadsheet, it's really to enter um, the actual expenses. So you have the budgeted expenses and you have the actual expense that you, you spend. So that's what I use a little bit of both and it helps and it works for me. Some people rather just do it to do, um, paper budgeting, which is their spreadsheet. Other people just rather do digital budgeting, whatever your comfort is, that's what you should go for. I do a, a mixture of both because that's what works for me best. I find that when I just do the digital budget, it's hard for me to actually, you know, follow up on it and make sure that the amount that I'm spending is actually reflected. Although you can track it in the digital app budget. So the choice is completely yours and it needs to be uh, a formula that works best for you. So it's going to be a little bit of a try and error in the beginning if you're not used to budgeting as of yet. And just be patient with yourself and give yourself a chance to get used to it. Now, the next thing that I do is really important for you to actually start liking budgeting. This is key. If you've been distracted so far in this podcast, focus at this point, because this is what's actually going to take you from dreading doing budgeting and not keeping up with your budgeting to actually uh, seeing the fruits and the success of budgeting. Because I promise you that when you budget properly, you're gonna see how your money really start behaving when you start taking control over, over your money. And this step is automating everything. So, As you know, I believe in spending 70% only of your monthly income. So the expenses should not be greater than 70% of your monthly income. And the remaining 30% of your total income needs to be spread out this way, 10% into your savings account, 10% to your tithes, your giving. I'm a Christian, so I believe fundamentally in giving your tithes. So 10% goes into my tithe. It's absolutely automated. 
and another 10% goes into my investments. As you know, investment, as I've said it before, uh, investment for me, it's more long-term. So literally, it's money that goes in every month and it goes into a uh, brokerage account uh, because I don't really keep my investment with the bank. And then in that account, it's essentially I have investments through tax-free savings account and I have investments in my RRSP account separately. So it goes into those accounts, those separate accounts. I spread them out and I don't spread them out 5%, 5% each, you know, uh, specifically I put more money into my tax-free savings account uh, and my RSP account, I simply use it to maximize my contribution uh, because I already contribute for a retirement account through my work. So essentially, I just use the RSP account to maximize my uh, annual contributions. Essentially, that helps a lot when it comes to, um, you know, my my refund at the end of the year and whatnot. So that's important for me. Now, so what's important is you need to pay yourself. So that 10% that goes into your investment and 10% that goes into your savings account and the 10% that goes into your tides need to be paid as soon as the money your, 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 your check, your income hits your bank account. Literally think about it. Everyone else, you know, the government, they've all paid themselves because they don't trust you to essentially pay them when you receive your paycheck. And you need to do the same thing. When you receive that money, don't hope after you spend in paying your creditors that you're going to have enough to save or invest. That's the wrong formula. So start by doing that, paying yourself first and have it automated. And um, so 10% automatically, as soon as I get paid, like for instance, I get paid today. I got paid today. Yeah, it's Thursday. So I got paid today and it's already set up with my bank, I do have what I call a mastermind account. That's where our paychecks go in. And uh, 10% is already being transferred. As soon as I get paid, uh, it gets transferred into an account that goes for just the tides account. And another 10% gets transferred into the investment account. Another 10% gets transferred into the savings account. Now, saving account is more for what I call the, you know, the rainy day funds. Uh, This is where, again, I keep that as well in a brokerage firm, not in a bank per se, uh, just because there's less fees and there's more um, securities, there's more more things that I can do in terms of investment that I find with those brokerage accounts than if I allow the bank to invest on my behalf. And there's a lot more interest that I can make and that I do make uh, in those investments. So the money don't just sit 
in those investments for my invest my investments or my savings, our savings or investments. Uh, so the rainy day fund or what I call the investment account, I call it the R empire account. Yes, I know I have funny names for accounts, but it kind of just helps to keep me completely motivated. So the money actually goes into those accounts automatically and they get invested as well into securities. So that's awesome. And in addition to that, you then budget with 70%. So remember that list of expenses that you did? Your expenses should be 70% or less of your total income. Super, super important. This is how you keep yourself um, on a really good budget that is flexible where you feel like you are not overspending. So the recommendation that I say, you know, in terms of your expenses, when you consider your expenses, your housing should be 25% to 30% of your total income, not more than that. You know, and then you have your insurance, whether it's your car insurance, your house insurance, whatever it may be, it should be 10%, maybe 15% of your total income per month, not more. Clothing, you should not be spending more than, you know, 5% per paycheck for clothing. So that would be maybe 10% per month. Don't overspend on clothing. Like seriously, it's just wasting your money. Um, your, your saving, I've already said 10%, your investment, 10% utilities. So that's your hydro, uh, that's your, your gas, all of that should really just be 10%. So it's important for you to manage your those bills really well because they have tendency to kind of just completely go out of control if you don't manage. So if it's a, if it's summertime, if it's not too hot yet, like it's not too too hot at night yet. So don't leave your AC on. Like really, you're just wasting money. Um, there's no point for you to have AC as of yet. It's not that hot. And obviously the days where it gets really hot, then you can put a bit of AC and then turn it off. Just manage and control your flow so that you don't overspend because we have tendency to overspend on hydro and on gas. So utilities, we really overspend in the summer, sometimes in the winter as well. Uh, So just keep that under control. Transportation should be about 10%. So those are kind of just the recommended budgeting uh, best practice percentage uh, per month that I would say are great to follow. For sure, you don't want your housing, whether you have a mortgage or you're renting, you don't want it to be greater than 30% of your total income. Otherwise, you're just going to be way too tight every month and it's going to be hard for you uh, to keep track. So those are uh, the best practices, just going back a little bit on the different type of accounts that I was mentioning. So as I said, I have, we have what I call the mastermind account. That is actually where the paychecks get deposited. So paychecks go into that master account, uh, mastermind account. That's a checking account and make sure that you have a bank, you find a checking account with a bank where you don't pay 
annual fee or you don't pay monthly fees because that's just a money grab that you really don't need. And there are banks out there that offer you an opportunity not to pay those fees. So use them. Tangerine, Simply Financial, whatever it is, just use those. Um, And the money, what's key, the money doesn't stay in that account. As soon as it hits those accounts, they get distributed automated. So by automation, I mean, you know, I don't physically go there and do it every month. No, it's just for me, I found that it was hard to keep up with that. So I set it up whether as a payee. So you enter into your online banking and you set up, you know, payment. So for the investment accounts, um, I've set them up as a payee. So my brokerage firm is like a payee. So every paycheck they get, you know, 10%, 10%. It's automated. They receive it as soon as I get my paycheck, 10%. The next day it's transferred automatically there. I don't have to think about it. I just think about once the money is there, I personally manage uh, my own um investment account. Uh, It's not managed. It's not like a managed portfolio. It's a self-managed account because I like to pick my own uh, securities and stocks and um, I I like that. So I manage it myself. So once the money is transferred there, I let it accumulate a little bit and then I buy more shares, which I enjoy doing. Now, the, so that's the mastermind account. Then it gets transferred to the rainy fund account. And then I also believe in having a family fun account. That's just like fun activities that you're planning for the family, whether it's date night with you and your spouse, or it's just, you know, a trip to the zoo or just, you know, sort of a day trips, mini vacation, whatever it may be. I like to just have a family fun account. And I don't put a lot of money in there. Um, I put like $50 uh, per paycheck into that account, depending on the season. You know, sometimes when it's too busy, like I find summer seasons to be super busy because I'm also budgeting for weddings because we go to a lot of weddings in the summer. So the fun, the, the family fun account, I put a bit less. Uh, during the summer, I put like $30. And keep in mind that there's already a lot of money that accumulated. In addition to that, because prior to the summer, right? Uh, In addition to that, I also have a taxation account. Now, because I have multiple streams of income, some of the incomes, the tax isn't Uh, already deducted from that, right? Because of uh, corporation and whatnot. So what's important when you are, let's say, self-employed and you have to budget for uh, HST or taxation, it's important for you to separate that money from the beginning so that you're not left at the end of the year trying to scramble and find ways in which you're going to pay. So your 13% tax already just transfer it as soon as you receive payment from clients or whatnot, just transfer it into an account and it just accumulates there until you have to pay uh, the tax at the end of the year. Like that, you're not, you know, trying to figure out how am I going to pay this tax? Now, 
also what I have is uh, obviously I spoke about the rainy day fund, but we also have uh, his investment account. So that will be my husband's investment account and her investment account. And this is where uh, essentially we have our individual tax-free savings accounts. Uh, and uh, so that's really important. And because, you know, it's not just him and I, we also have a child and we're building a legacy for our children. We also have an account specifically for the, for our child. Right now we have an RESP account for her, uh, which essentially saves up money for her education. And in addition to that, yes, oh, by the way, the RSP account, it's so important. You know, you don't want to wait until they're like 10 years old to save up for their education. We've been saving up for her education from the moment she was born, uh, to be honest with you. And in addition to that, before she was even born, I had started a tax-free savings account under my name specifically for her. So, you know, there's just a little bit of money that is transferred every month there for her. Um, and when she's of legal age to have her own tax-free savings account, and that money, by the way, doesn't just sit there, it gets invested in, uh, we invest in securities, that money as well. And when she's of legal age, 18 years old, uh, and you know that's essentially a big chunk of money uh, in addition to having separate money set aside for her education, that's a big chunk of money of investments. Can you just picture like 18 years worth of invested money? This is how you essentially, you know, on a daily base, just build wealth um, that accumulates for your children when they're actually of age. So by the time she's 18, God willing, you know, she has not just money for her schooling, but she also has money for investments that is already set aside, that she's already been accumulating. It's been 18 years, there's compound interest already accumulated on that. And it just helps you secure your child to, um, you know, sort of a, a better path when it comes to a better stepping stone for their wealth creation. So that's really important as well. So, and the last account that we have is the emergency fund account. And this is just for, you know, those unexpected, but somewhat expected, um, events that occur. And we keep a thousand dollar there as recommended by uncle Dave. Yeah, I call him Uncle Dave, Dave Ramsey. So we keep a thousand dollar there at all times. And we use that for stuff like, you know, when you have to change your tires, when, you know, something happens with a car, unexpected expense. But what's important is we always replenish it. Personally, I believe in having a thousand dollar emergency fund for everyone in the family. So since, you know, let's say there's three of you, then it's $3,000 that should be kept there. Um, that's just my personal belief. But if you can't do it yet, that's fine. Just do $1,000. So how do you make sure that you take control of over your money, you budget, right? But most importantly, when you take the time to automate those transfers into these different accounts that I've just named for you, uh, you are telling your money what to do. 
And it actually doesn't because you've transferred it automatically. I don't even trust myself to do it on a monthly base. That's why it's automated because, you know, life happens. We get so busy and you shouldn't rely or trust yourself to remember to do it every month. And this is why a lot of people actually fail in their budgeting um, endeavors because it's hard for them to keep up. But when you automate these things, it's so easy to do. And when you have different accounts that, you know, these accounts are like cash envelopes for me. I just don't really do a lot of cash envelope. The only cash envelope that I do is for groceries. And you already know my rule on groceries is $100 per person per month. I know that's tight, but guess what? It really helps, you know, for us, there's three of us. So $300 is the budget that I put aside for groceries for the month. And Costco, gosh, Costco, trust me, it's almost like the devil. Sorry. (laughs) But I go to Costco only for, you know, items that I need in bulk. And if you go to Costco without cash, it's, you you know, you're coming out of there with like $400, $300, the money grab. I love it though. I love Costco. You know, I'm not saying bad things about it, but trust me, it's easy for you to spend a lot of money going to Costco or any other grocery stores because they have all these lightings and shelfings. Everything is really made just to attract you into these aisles and just grab more than what you actually went to buy. So make sure that you're actually, you know, for me, what helps me is when it comes to grocery shopping, cash. I pay cash. I really just do. It's better. It works for me. And uh, I budget $300 per month. And sometimes, you know, I go over that budget, but I try not to go over by a lot. So it could be $50 extra and that's it. $350. I can live with that. For Costco, I love going to Costco for um, fruits. So we buy the fruits there and we buy whatever items that we need to get in bulk, whether it's toilet paper or whatnot. But again, those are not expenses that you buy on a regular base. So you just stack it up and you're good to go for a long period of time. And this is how, my friends, I make sure to keep us on a budget and respecting the budget by automating and You can definitely do that as well. As soon as you start doing this and you actually implement these good practices, I promise you that you will see a big change. You won't, you know, look at the end of the year when you get your T4 and ask yourself, what happened to my money? Where did it go? You will actually know exactly where it went because you're going to have a rainy fund account, you're going to have an emergency fund account, you're going to have a savings account, you're going to have an investment account, and then you would have as well your expenses, you're going to have them under control as well. If you stick to this and you respect that 70% rule, and in the 70% of your expenses, make sure that, you know, really 50% should go to like the essential and 20% should go to the stuff that you actually want, um, not the other way around. So the stuff that you want, you know, it could be entertainment and whatnot, 
but it should not account for a huge portion of your expenses. So the 50% you have in there, your rent, your transportation. And by the way, minimize those Uber, reduce those Uber trips. Uber is a huge money grab for millennials. And you just want to make sure that you, you are mindful of all these things. And that's how you keep yourself on budget. So happy budgeting financially savvy people. I leave you with this. The wise have wealth while the fools spend whatever they get. This is Proverbs 21 verse 20. It's so important. And when you budget, you are essentially being wise with your money. You are being a good steward and you are building wealth when you stick to your budget. That's how you do it. It's just taking control over those day-to-day activities of what you do with your money. So if you like the podcast, make sure that you subscribe, make sure that you rate us. Ratings really do make a huge difference. So I would really appreciate it if you take the time to just, you know, rate us, um, write a review, let us know if you enjoy this episode and uh, what else do you want to see? What more do you want to see from this podcast, let us know. Send an email at financiallysavvygirl at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at financially underscore savvy girl and visit our website as well, www.financiallysavvygirl.ca. And if you want to have a copy of my budgeting tracker, make sure to just go on our website, send an email, and I'll make sure to send it your way. So happy budgeting and enjoy. Stay on track on your financially savvy girl journey. And I promise you that you will reach financial independence. Take hold of your freedom. Take hold of your future with the financial.